Posse Packer Nation. Welcome to another episode of Packcast, the podcast where you don't have to be a Packers fan, but it sure does help. I'm your host, Tom. Kitty goes meow, grassy. And today we're going to be previewing the week five matchup between the Green Bay Packers and the Cincinnati Bengals. A little bit of a surprise this season as both teams having the same record heading into week five. Only one can leave. But joining me today is a man who is doing lots of things with the Cincinnati Bengals. He's from New Stripe City, Mr. Ace Boogie himself. Ace, thanks for coming on, bud. No, Tom, I appreciate you for having me on. I'm extremely excited to be able to talk some Bengals package for sure. Let's get it. Let's get it. We got, we got, the, we got the merch. We're, we're decked out right now. Uh, we got we we're 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 repping right now. Hell yeah, we're yes, we're sir. looking good. Now, here's the thing. I I want to get right into it because I feel like for the first time, for a while, like the media is finally talking about the Bengals in a positive <laughs> light. Like it started with the drafting of Joe Burrow, but now that the Bengals have found some early season success they're now actually starting to hype up the Bengals a little bit. Can you like, tell me like, is that a weird thing? Like, are you like still consuming like traditional media in that you're just like, Hey, we're on sports center now. Yeah. It's been a while since I've consumed traditional media to be honest with you, but it definitely has been the Joe Burrow effect. I think on the national media, but there are still a lot of doubters. Now the the narrative is kind of shifting to, are they really this good? But I think that it begins and starts with Joe Burrow. I mean, as soon as the Bengals drafted him, I mean, just even locally in the city of Cincinnati, it was just a totally different feeling. And there was just a feeling of regeneration injected back into this fan base just because we were so tired of Andy Dalton. And so Joe Burrow coming in here, you know, also yeah. Marvin Lewis leaving, it just reignited this fan base and just really gave us hope um, and something to look forward to. So I have noticed, though, that a lot of Bengals fans have told me, like, they're actually finally talking about us again. So it, it definitely has been a while for sure. Yeah, I mean, like you you draft Joe Burrow, and I think it was the I think it was a Thursday night game against the Browns last season. Like that was the first like full game that I watched him like in the NFL. And I was like, oh damn, like he's good. Like the poise he had in the pocket and the accuracy. I was like, okay, like they they got something here. Kind right. of like looking at back at that first season, obviously before the injury, kind of like, did you see like, oh, yeah, that's our franchise guy. Because, of course, you know, teams go out and they pick QBs one and they don't always pan out. But, like, looking at Joe Burrow and watching him play, like, those select few games, like, what were your thoughts on on watching him play? Oh, man, it was amazing. Because uh, the one thing that most people forget about it is he had no preseason. <laughs> like, he didn't even play nope. in the preseason game. So, from his first game, I felt like this guy was different, right? Yeah. He came out, uh, he handled business, unfortunately, for a – a call that was reversed at the end. It was something about A.J. Green with offensive pass interference. They really ruined a storybook beginning to Joe Burrow's career where he comes down against the Chargers and gets that last-minute touchdown. And it was just like the entire time that I was watching this guy, his first season, it was like, this guy isn't a rookie. And a lot of people talk about, you know, oh, he only won two games. But the fact that we were in those games any way possible was only because of Joe Burrow. And so we all knew that if we put the right pieces around this guy, that the sky was the limit because the things that he was able to do last year were just super impressive. And I think once he went down, a lot of people kind of forgot about how good of a start he really had. Uh, He probably honestly 
only really looked like a rookie quarterback in two games. I think the Steelers game and the Ravens game. Sure. Um, and so for me, it was just like, wow, we were excited and ready for him to get back rocking. Yeah, I mean, so you, you're coming into this season and talking to Bengals fans, there there was kind of a divide before the draft, right? It was the Definitely. Jamar Chase conversation or it was going after a guy like Sewell, right? It was like the, the, the two different camps. And like the one you go, okay, offensive line is kind of important, hence look back at last year. But then you have Jamar Chase and like that rare kind of connection that they could have. You already had T Higgins who had himself a really nice year last year. What camp did you find yourself in? And when they actually went with Jamar Chase, what were your thoughts on that? Well, I was kind of the captain, and I have another podcast. I do Orange is the New Black with my man Zim Hude. I was probably the captain of Team Sewell, uh, which was Panay Sewell. He was definitely the captain of Team Chase. But the one thing that I will say is a lot of that stemmed from, obviously, Burrow getting hurt and the Bengals not fixing this offensive line for not only just the past year, for about four or five seasons. And so I was on Team Sewell, but I always kept in mind that I felt like there was a strong possibility that Jamar Chase could come to this team. And I thought that it actually made sense. Like the way that things actually went in the offseason with them getting Riley Reef, with them having Jonah coming back, which was a guy that they invested in early on and really believed in him as the left tackle. It kind of did make sense in order for them to go out and get Jamar Chase. Uh, with Panay, I think that they would have probably have played him at guard. If I were to draft Panay, I probably would have played him at left tackle. But reading in between the lines and seeing everything, and this unique opportunity where Jamar Chase is available, like that never really happens no. where you have the opportunity to take the number one pick and his number one receiver. Like that's just nuts. And the fact that we also had some of the LSU offense uh, already yeah. set up within our offense, it just made it a no brainer. And obviously if it's left up to Joe Burrow, he's going to pick his guy, Jamar Chase. So oh, yeah. <laughs> when that happened, I wasn't really upset with it. It was just like, okay, I'm pretty sure that we're going to take Chase and yeah. I'm I'm positive that it's going to work because even though he had a year off, they've already played together. This isn't a guy that took a year off and he never played with his quarterback before. So yeah. I totally understood that and I was on board immediately and then the second the second day we picked Jackson Carmen, uh, I spoke with Willie Anderson the Bengals great uh, about that decision and I was completely comfortable with it. So for me, sure. I went from being the captain of Team Sewell to now trying to defend the Jamar <laughs> Chase pick and point out all of the issues that have happened with the teams like Detroit, which is funny because yeah. he, he went to a team that didn't have wide receivers, right? And you're seeing what that impact is. The Lions haven't won a game yet. So I yeah. was completely on board as soon as I became Team Chase, I guess, after they drafted him. As soon as it goes in, you're like, I get it, right? Like, I can understand the logic. Because I feel like you could have justified either pick, right? It's like right. either just building up the trenches or it's going and get that kind of like, you know, once in a lifetime, at least connection opportunity that you don't, like you said, that doesn't really come around very often. Right. So at that point, you're like, all right, yeah, let's show, let's go with Jamar Chase. And I, I have to imagine during the preseason, because we had some preseason uh, this year, during the preseason, the story started shifting to Jamar Chase and not being able to catch footballs. And everybody jumped on that. And they're like, well, you should have drafted Sewell and just going <laughs> after him. I want to be very clear. I drafted Jamar Chase in almost all of my fantasy leagues. So nice. I believed and just want to put that out there. But kind of like you watch that preseason and are you putting any stock into it? Or are you like, uh, is it like a tinge of buyer's remorse? Or you're like, let's just wait till there's actual real games. 
No, I mean, the first game that I actually went to was the first preseason game uh, against Tampa Bay, right? And so I was at yeah. that game, and Jamar Chase caught a screen pass, and they took him out of the game. Um, and so when the second game happened, I was watching, and I did see him, you know, drop the first one. And, and one of them, it really wasn't fair because he kind of made a business decision against Landon Collins and just really didn't want to take that big hit in preseason. And yeah. I didn't blame him for that because, you know, why would you get hurt in a, in a meaningless preseason game but I think after that second one in the third one when he dropped it it was just in his head and I think yeah. that it was a mental thing but I always gave him the benefit of the doubt because sure. you know he hadn't played since 2019 uh, he was trying to get adjusted to the NFL learning the speeds learning the routes learning this offense so for me yeah. like whenever I look at a receiver uh, the number one thing that I always uh, remember at the end of the season is they always talk about you know how fast the NFL is, how they had to adjust to that. There's always a learning curve. And so I felt like that would always be the case with Jamar Chase, but I definitely yeah. think it was blown out of proportion because there was the one time where somebody actually asked him about the differences between the college football and NFL football, and they turned it into him saying that he was dropping balls because of that, and that was not the case. They were like whatsoever. the white stripes on it or something. Like they spun yeah. his answer around, and he's like, I didn't say that. <laughs> that was not – they literally asked him the difference, and it was really annoying, honestly, like even as a fan yeah. because our own media was just asking him every single time about the drops. And I, honestly, I think that it had some PTSD to do – with John Ross because John Ross had a habit of dropping balls and stuff like oh, that. Oh, John Ross. So I think that that kind of spilled over, but I couldn't wait until the regular season happened so that it could just all go away. Yeah. And and it went away very quickly. <laughs> like very very <laughs> like it got real quiet all of a sudden. It's just like he got used to the football. Oh wait, that wasn't a problem. Um <laughs> go heading into this season like before you even play week 1, you're in a very interesting division right Definitely. you had the Steelers who won 11 straight games and then got their ass kicked by the Browns I know you're very upset about that right so you have that you have the Browns who are looking like they're contenders you have the Ravens who are always going to be in contention and then of course you have the Bengals so before you even play week one going into this season kind of what were your expectations for it like were you looking at it as like listen I just want to see progress I want to see Joe Burrow like you know advance come back from injury look good and just like build those building blocks or did you kind of have like in the back of your head, like maybe, you know, we could be like pretty darn competitive this year? So I have another channel that I do that's called AFC North Talk. So it's me and a Browns YouTuber, Ravens and Steelers YouTuber. So last year was actually the first season where I had to watch literally every single game from every single team in the division. And it taught me a lot. And it showed sure. me our areas where we were deficient. It also let me know. Um, about the other teams. And so I actually came into this season on that show with a lot of confidence. And like a lot of the Browns and other divisional fans were just like, this guy's delusional. He's just being a homer. And, you know, for me, I was confident because I knew what we had in Joe Burrow, right? Yeah. I knew what we had in Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, and T. Higgins. I knew about the weaknesses around the division. Like I, I was literally one of the first people that said before the season started, Ben is done. Like it's oh, it's going to be over, especially yeah. with that offensive line, them not doing anything there. Uh, the the team that scares me the most, I wouldn't say the Browns, and that's not because I don't respect the Browns. It's just okay. that we were competitive with them. You talked about that Thursday night football game with Baker yeah. and Burrow. I think the Battle of Ohio is going to be a super competitive one, and it's finally going to be fun after sure. like what two decades. So <laughs> I think that they are definitely a good team, but. I'm looking at Burrow versus Baker. Now, the team that always scares me the most in this division that we have not been able to to uh, beat 
is Baltimore. They've completely dominated us uh, since Lamar Jackson has come in. But with them having all of those injuries, it just really opened up the North Florida's team. So I actually went into this pretty confident because I felt like this first stretch of games, the first three, I believe, or the first four, yeah. uh, I felt were winnable games for the Bengals. This is what, the one where I was like, all right, now this is going to be a hard, tough matchup for us. Sure. Uh, but I kind of saw it going this way with the Steelers at least being worse, the worst team in the division. I felt like the Browns were going to be good. Um, I knew that they would get tested early. And I knew that the the Ravens would be the Ravens. But I am I will say that I am shocked that with all of the injuries, they're still up there as well. Uh, but the AFC North is just competitive, man. I remember saying last year that before that season, I felt like the AFC North was going to send three teams to the playoffs. Yep. And they did. And so this season, I think that that is still a possibility. Obviously, I think the Steelers are kind of struggling. Maybe they get a win this weekend, uh, but it's going to be a competitive division and it's going to be tough. You got three guys that won the Heisman uh, in this division. And, you know, Ben is the old man going out. Maybe the Steelers. I don't know. They're, they're talking about that Rodgers thing. I don't know. We could talk about that. But we're not going to talk about, talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> but I think uh, the AFC North is a tough division. And yeah. uh you got to You got to take every game as it comes and try to get out on top. And you, you mentioned kind of like the lack of success against Baltimore and being competitive against the Browns. And you look at last season when you had Joe Burrow, right. And being competitive in those games, um, obviously Joe Burrow gets injured, you know, so the rest of the season, we're not evaluating that, you know, as it is, but the defense was something that I was also looking at. Like the defense last year was struggling, right. They were oh, yeah. in the bottom for a lot of stats that, not looking so great. Can you kind of like point to, you know, what is different between last season and this season in terms of the defensive play, in terms of the offense, obviously you have Joe Burrow back. Um, mm -hmm. Like what has changed that has allowed this team to get off to this hot start, you know, to kind of start the season? Yeah, I think if, if we're starting with the defense, the first thing was being healthy. I mean, the Bengals, the last couple of seasons, they have been so injury riddled it's been ridiculous like as soon as they drafted or as soon as they signed dj reader our best uh nose tackle he goes down they just had so many injuries at uh the defensive tackle position last year geno atkins yeah. was out there playing with like one arm mike daniels they yep. just didn't have anybody out there and oh mike were, daniels yeah they were also decimated in in the in the secondary the corner position yeah. so they just weren't really healthy and then it was also a mix of there were a lot of marvin lewis guys uh, that came from our old 4-3 scheme and weren't really a fit for the new scheme. So you talk about some of those good players like Carlos Dunlap, Geno Atkins. They're kind of playing out of position and they just didn't really fit the scheme. So one of the things I think was a huge difference between the defense from last year and this year is that they kind of moved on from those guys that were the Marvin Lewis guys that didn't fit the scheme. They found more guys that fit gotcha. the scheme, hit on more of those draft picks. Um, and now the defense is playing uh, way better than they were uh, last year. And I think that that's just because now Zach Taylor and his coaching staff and Lou Anarumo, the defense coordinator, they finally have their guys that fit the system. And it was tough because you had to move on from guys that a lot of fans were familiar with. You talk about Dunlap, you talk about Gino, you talk about William Jackson, the yeah. third, uh, but uh, the guys that they brought in were guys that were more confident in this scheme. They fit it more. They weren't really worried. There were no, no nonsense guys they bought in. And I think that that's a big factor uh, flipping to the offensive line, that was a huge factor as well because everyone talked about the offensive line, but the the biggest detriment to it, I believe, other than some of the personnel, we can get into that, but 
I think it was the actual offensive line coach, Jim Turner. There was no okay. way that the Bengals should have had him as the offensive line coach. I think Zach Taylor had a personal relationship with him. That's why he lasted longer. Uh, sure. But as soon as they got rid of him and brought back Frank Pollock, a lot of Bengals fans already knew who Frank Pollock was. A lot of Bengals fans were surprised that they let Frank Pollock go uh, Zach Taylor's first year because he is an amazing line coach. He can get, you know, the best play out of some average players. Um, and so I think it really started when they uh, hired uh, Frank Pollock back and then they went out and they got Riley Reef. I mean, getting rid of Bobby Hart was a huge upgrade. This is a guy that gave up yeah. 10 sacks in one season. So they did that. Um, they also got stable over there. They signed Quentin Spain during the season last year. We all knew that he was solid. Uh, they moved on from Michael Jordan, which, you know, that was the guy responsible for getting Joe Burrow hit. And the only reason he was in the game was because of Jim Turner. Um, and Jim Turner just wasn't a good, like, he just rubbed a lot of players the wrong way and didn't really know what he was doing, to be honest. <laughs> um, and so him like being removed from that situation, <laughs> you actually get a coach that's, that can actually coach these guys up. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that was a big factor. And then they they brought in some draft picks there, here and there. And then they, we just knew that uh, we were going to need three different receivers to get targets. Like it didn't work with A.J. Green last year. And I think that that was partly because of the chemistry with him and Joe Burrow. They never really got to establish that. You talk about yeah. no preseason. A.J. goes down in training camp. They literally like never really played with each other until no. week one. And you could kind of see it. And so – uh, them bringing in Jamar Chase, that just pretty much fixed that that issue that they had there. Mixing is back healthy. Like a lot of it, to be honest with you, is just being healthy. It's health. Being, being healthy, improving yeah. those those coaching positions. They also brought in a D line coach and Marlon Hobby, who's who's done a spectacular job. And they've just completely turned this team around. Well, I mean, it looks like. Uh, obviously, it, it's the beginning of the season, but it looks like, you know, the the Bengals are definitely on a different trajectory, right? Like they're they're on the upswing there. And with each passing season, you know, you're just going to be able to go through the draft and, you know, kind of just build on that foundation that you already have. I mean, how many teams need a franchise QB and you have one, right? And right. you have, you know, three receivers who can play ball. You're building up that offensive line. Defense gets better. And then all of a sudden, like you get a balanced football team. So, you know, Kind of as this season progresses and kind of taking a look forward, the last time the Bengals won a playoff game, 91, yes. if I'm not mistaken, it's 91. Yeah. So 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. So this year, like looking in 2021, 2022 season, like do you think the Bengals have an opportunity to like get that seven seed potentially even higher? Like is this team a contender like right now? I know it's only week five. Right. Like do you think that they're contenders right now? I think they are. And I honestly was kind of shocked with that. I, I knew that we would win way more games than the national media expected us to. Sure. Uh, just because they had so many last year where they were, you know, losing by three or five points. Yeah. And with all of the changes, with everyone healthy and their improvements, I felt like it. I felt like 22 would be 2022 would be that year. But it could be this year. I mean, honestly, this game this weekend is going to tell us a lot because they still have it some <laughs> some uh, some cupcake games against the Lions. And I'm I'm not just going to say that it's just an automatic W. But you know, those are games like if we were to win this game, I wasn't expecting that. So sure. if they do that, this could be a team that could potentially push for the wild card. I, I definitely think that it's possible, and I think that the way that Joe Burrow has responded, I tried to give us some leeway to give him some time to get comfortable. And I, you know, it seems like he's comfortable now. So honestly, I think that this team does have a realistic shot to potentially uh, get into that wild card and sneak into it. 
and and you mentioned this week and i feel like there's also a split like there's some mm. packers fans that are just like oh it's the Bengals. like we we got we got this but n- no like because i've seen the Bengals play now a couple of times i'm like it's not like same old Bengals kind of thing and on top of that the packers are banged up uh josh myers our rookie center he was announced today that he's going to be out so he's not going to be playing uh jair alexander not going to be playing you know our number one corner uh, we don't have Zadarius Smith, our number one pass rusher. Elton Jenkins is back in practice, so but he might wind up playing center. So there's a lot of moving pieces. And if you're looking at this game, um, you know, and you have the Packers offense, who's playing pretty darn good football, um, what are you looking at in terms of how this game is going to go? Like, what are you concerned about? Where do you think the Bengals are going to be able to take advantage of, et cetera? I mean, for me, I think the biggest concern is always going to be that Packers offense. I mean, you're talking yeah. about Devontae Adams, best receiver in football, and Aaron Rodgers, right? It starts with those guys. Another guy that I'm super concerned about is Aaron Jones. I mean, the way that he's used in the passing game and the way that he's a dual threat on the ground as well. I mean, that guy is someone that you're going to have to keep an eye on. You talk about Randall Cobb. You know, we saw last week Randall Cobb in the slot still has it, still has that connection. Yep. Um, so I think the biggest concern is the Packers offense and can the Bengals offense score consistently? We've had games where we've gotten off to slow starts. You talk about the Jacksonville game, the bears game, they cannot do that against Aaron Rodgers uh, at all. And so Devontae Adams obviously scares me. Aaron Rodgers, I would say all of your weapons on offense scare me. Um, And then defensively, I think that we're going to have to step it up, especially uh, if there are injuries on that offensive line, we got to get some pressure on the quarterback. The Bengals did a great job. Uh, within their first three games of doing it. But in the fourth game, they didn't really get to Trevor Lawrence as well as they had done before. So that's definitely going to be a key. And I think, uh, you know, just making sure that you keep up with this team and and having that confidence and not playing scared, I think is the biggest thing. And and doing what you can to win, like even if it's ugly, whatever you got to do to get out of there with the win is what you have to do. And the one thing that I will say that does give me some confidence is, like you said, Jair Alexander is out. So whenever, you know, you play the Bengals, I feel like you have to look at all three of the receivers that we have, Tyler Boyd, yeah. Jamar Chase, and T. Higgins. Uh, if you don't have someone to be able to guard them, that's going to cause some kind of trouble. Uh, but they, we also have to keep Joe Burrow clean. Um, so as you mentioned, sure. Zadarius Smith isn't there, but I do know about Gary that you all you guys have over there. Um, you guys still have some formidable linemen over there as well. Um, and then the safeties I know are pretty good. But I do think that we will be able to take advantage of other wide receivers. But I think that this is potentially trending towards a shootout because yeah. if uh, Devontae Adams is on Eli Apple, that is not going to be <laughs> a, good, uh, a good thing for us. And so I think that the points will come in bunches, but they've got to play smart football and then – the other thing is, can Zach match LaFleur? I mean, I think Matt is a great coach. Sure. Um, Zach has had, you know, his ups and downs with this team, with the fan base. Um, and this is going to be a game where he can't make any of those mistakes either with his game plan. So, you know, I think that this is a game that could go either way, honestly. Um, it's, it's really going to come down to Burrow versus Rodgers, and I'm super excited to watch this game. I'm going to hope that the Bengals win. It wouldn't shock me if they lost. But even if we do lose, I just want us to be competitive in a game yeah. with the with a team as qualified as the Packers. Yeah. No, I again I think the I agree with your analysis that it might wind up being a very high scoring game, especially you know, Eric Stokes, our rookie C B on Jamar Chase. Uh they are very familiar with one another, but I think uh that's gonna be a matchup to look for. 
I think Kevin King should be playing. But like you said, if T Higgins, who I think is playing, right, it looks like he's he's trending to play. Um, you know, that that's three receivers you got to worry about. So I think it's uh, it's going to be a battle. But honestly, it should be a really, really fun game. Uh, and I think the whole Burrow versus Rodgers thing is uh, definitely be something to watch. But uh, Ace, I appreciate you coming on, bud. Uh, can you tell the people where they can find you and all the things that you do? Sure, definitely. You can find me on YouTube at New Stripe City. Uh, we do all kind of stuff over there. I do the Orange is the New Black podcast as well with my partner, Zim. And then you can also find me on Twitter at New Stripe City. And I also have a secondary YouTube channel if you want to know about what's going on in the AFC North. I know a lot of us play you guys. You guys just uh, sure. beat the Packers. So thank you for I mean, just beat the Steelers. So thank you for that. So uh, but you can find me over there at AFC North Talk as well. There we go. I love it. Listen, there, there's a lot of uh, of the fan base here with the Grassy Posse that have a soft spot for the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, we got the whole kitty goes meow thing. So uh, we're, <laughs> we're rocking with it. So we wish you the, the best of luck with the season, just not on Sunday, but the, with the rest of the season. And we appreciate you for beating the Minnesota Vikings because that was just beautiful and a great way to start this season. <laughs> yes, sir. Definitely. Same to you, bro. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. But folks, thank you so much for watching. I'm Tom Grassi. And as always, go pack, go.